0: Touchdown Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
2: And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show. First hour was uh pretty exciting, huh? Found out about Richie Incognito retiring and retiring as a Raider and very prideful to retire as a Raider, and we just heard from Vinny Bonsignor. I thought that was really cool, man. thought that was really cool, everything Richie was saying about the team and how he felt like a member of the Raiders the minute that he joined. And I know he didn't play a lot of games, didn't have a huge impact, but those guys along the offensive line, as you could tell by all the, all the guys that were there in attendance for his presser, you could totally tell that they, uh, they were feeling some kind of way for Richie Incognito. So shout-out to him, and hopefully everything he does uh, moving forward, he does in a real positive way and is able to achieve whatever he wants to achieve. Now, kicking off hour number two, we're going to jump back into our training camp two-a-days, and we're going to talk a little bit of Patriots.
0: It's time for another edition of training camp two a days as your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders 2022 regular season schedule here on unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: And helping us kick things off to talk those Patriots is Mike debate, our good friend from locked on patch. You can find him on Twitter at mdebateNFL. and Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, my man. And before we get into our training camp two a days, um, is it a is it a big deal? Uh, for the for Patriot fans that the Patriots are going to be coming to Las Vegas to play the Raiders, or is that more of a Raider Nation is more fired up to play the Patriots?
3: No, I think the trip out to Vegas may be a little bit more anticipated than the game itself. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking for media members here, Q, but uh, no, <laughs> all kidding aside, uh, Anytime you put the Raiders on the schedule, it's a big game here in okay. New England. Uh, we're well aware of the history. I know you guys are well aware of the history as well. So looking forward to it, and there's a lot behind this game this year it's a little bit more than just some of the you know rivalry that went on in the late 70s and of course the tuck rule this is a little bit more than that this year with Josh McDaniels at the helm in Las Vegas,
2: right? And that's that's where I was going because I I see you know the Patriots on the schedule. Obviously, it's that Sunday Night Football game, and I know Raider Nation has it circled because of Josh McDaniels, because of Dave Ziegler, because of all the other people that have come over from the Patriots to the Raiders. I just didn't know if it was the same way on the New England side. Like, oh man, Josh McDaniels is on the schedule. Got to go get that guy. You know, it's it, he's not Bill Belichick, right? I mean, so I feel like it's a little bit different. But uh, is that talked about a lot of amongst the fan base and even there in the media?
3: It is, and I think for a lot of reasons. Well, the first reason is that I know there are some fans that still have a lot of affinity toward Josh. I did a number of great things up here, coordinated an offense that won multiple Super Bowls. I mean, you can't ignore that fact. I know he's got his detractors. Some people were happy to see him go and kind of get a little bit of uh, new blood or at least you know some fresh ideas into the offense, but ultimately what Josh did up here in New England should be commended. So there are a lot of people up here that still want to see him and want to see what he can do in his second go-round now as a head coach. Don't forget the first time he was a head coach with the Denver Broncos, save for that victory that he got against the Patriots. There really weren't a whole lot of memorable moments for Josh McDaniels as head coach of the Broncos, at least not the kind of memorable moments you want right. as a head coach. So you know, in a lot of ways I think there are some curiosity uh, for that as well. Uh, there are some people that uh, you know either want to see him succeed or want to see him fail, but the other reason that it's a big deal here in New England is because it's left the New England Patriots with a void mm-hmm. at play caller on the offensive side of the ball. Is it going to be Matt Patricia taking that duty? Is it going to be Joe Judge? Uh, is it going to be a combination of both with Bill Belichick kind of as the guru over everything? Is Mac Jones going to have a little more control over the offense? These are all questions for New England, so... Josh's departure really kind of threw that into a fail spin, and I think that's why it's still such a big story
2: here. Talking all things Patriots right now with Mike DeBate here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Selfishly, I have to ask you about Tyquan Thornton. I covered him at Baylor. Obviously, the Patriots grabbed him in round two. Uh, What are the expectations for him? Was he able to make a little bit of noise in mandatory minicamp?
3: He was, and in a lot of ways, he made his biggest noise or his loudest noise, I guess you could say, um, as a special teams gunner. I mean, there were times Mm -hmm. where Jake Bailey would boot the ball into the air, and this is a guy that can really boom the ball. Jake is an excellent punter and a powerful punter, and there were times where it looked like Taekwon had arrived before the ball got there. So, you know, there's really, I think, a lot of anticipation about this kid's speed, what he can bring to the table. I'm not looking at him as being a major contributor to the offense in year one. It's very difficult to ingratiate yourself into the Patriots offense as a rookie. It's a complex playbook, and even with Josh now in Las Vegas, it's still going to be a complex uh, playbook to learn, and it's tough to put those, that on a rookie's shoulders But they clearly have high hopes for this kid. And if it's not this year, next year you're really going to see a lot of plays designed to stretch the field. Everybody clamored for Mac Jones to get a deep threat, they definitely have one in Tyquan Thornton. If it's not going to be this year, it'll definitely be seen next year.
2: You know, you you said something that caught my attention and made me have this weird look on my face, and Demond's like, "Well, what's going on in here?" But uh, how complex is Josh McDaniels' offense? You said it takes a while to pick up. How how quickly do you think guys like Derek Carr, guys like Devonte Adams, guys that are on this Raiders roster, uh, Jarrett Stidham, you know, who obviously the Raiders went and traded for to bring him into the fold? I'm assuming to help learn that offense. How quickly do you think they could pick this up?
3: I think they'll pick it up quickly, and uh, you know, the reason why they'll pick it up quickly is for the reasons that you mentioned. Just mentioning their names, Devontae, Adams, mentioning the name Darren Waller, you know, mentioning the name Derek Carr. These are trained professionals, and they're among the best, if not the best, at what they do, and because of that reason, they can adapt to pretty much any type of offense. So Josh is not going to come in, reinvent the wheel, and make these guys uncomfortable. He realizes that he needs to coach to his players' strength, and that's exactly what he's going to do. He'll allow Devontae to be the wide receiver that everybody knows he can be from his days in Green Bay. He's going to continue to ride Darren Waller as one of the better, if not the best tight end right now in the game. Derek is going to continue to maximize his abilities on this offense. Josh is going to add some wrinkles. Uh, There might be times where you might see – uh, you might see a draw read or you might see a run on a third down and you might question yourself a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and Raiders fans, prepare for that because it is going to happen. Um, but at the same time, I think that's going to be few and far between. He's got a lot of weapons. Josh knows the type of offense he's got in uh, Las Vegas, and he'll utilize it. I don't think it's going to be as much of a transition as a lot of people are making it out to be because of the personnel he's got.
2: Got training camp two days going on right now here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. Got Mike Debate hosted Locked On Pat's with us on the phone lines talking all things Patriots. And my man Demond's going to go ahead and hit you with some some good questions here.
4: All right, Absolutely. Mike. A lot of times people I don't think that people realize that the Patriots made the playoffs last year. I know that the result didn't end the, the way they wanted to in that wild card game against the Bills, but they are a playoff team. So what's the biggest positive for this Patriots team coming into training camp? I think the
3: positive right now has to be the uh, the play and uh the uh, drive or the improvement shown by the quarterback. Uh Mac Jones is coming in, owning this team this year. He realizes that this team is completely 100% his. He didn't know that coming into training camp last year. Most people were assuming that Cam Newton was going to be the, uh, the starting quarterback, myself included. I thought Cam would get the first go-round, first reps, and then maybe if there was a transition to be made, it would be Midseason or in this season, maybe coming up in Mac's second year, Mac got the keys to the kingdom right out of the gate. And I think he did a fairly good job of quarterbacking this team as a rookie. But Mac has come in, he's stronger, he's quicker, he's in better shape. He's definitely um, updated a lot of what he's done in terms of his workout regimen, sleep patterns, diet, everything. He's looking the part of a starting quarterback, but he's also acting the part of a starting quarterback. He has the command of the guys in the huddle. He has the command of the guys in the locker room. They're listening to him. He's working with his receivers and his tight ends on an individual basis. He's even invited a handful of uh, running backs uh, into the fold. So that, to me, is the biggest positive right there. When you have a team that's completely buying into a young quarterback, especially one with only one year under his belt, It's a very good positive for the New England Patriots, so that'll spell well for them this year.
4: The most memorable game from the Patriots season last year was the game where they ran the ball the entire (laughs) game against the Buffalo Bills. I think he only threw the ball three times. And that made me, watching that game, I was like, man, this offensive line is dominant. Just how good is this offensive line for the Patriots?
3: The offensive line is still very good. Look, they lost one of their biggest pieces, and I don't think you can adequately replace what Shaq Mason brought to the table and just simply think that the line is going to be either as good or better. The argument can be made that they may have taken a step back, but they're still awfully talented. David Andrews in the center is still the team captain. He's the guy that essentially stirs the drink in that offensive line. But you've got talent on both ends. Uh, Trent Brown is someone you guys know very well. I know that's not a good subject to bring up on Raider (laughs) Radio, but he has played well here in New England, and he will continue to be one of their better linemen, assuming he stays healthy. That's the big thing, whether it's going to be on the right side or the left side. He'll be one of the, uh, the better tackles in the AFC this year because of how the Patriots can employ him. Isaiah Wynn, all the talent in the world, again, just needs to stay healthy. If he does, the Patriots have a very good tackle tandem. Michael Wainu, big, huge body, guy that didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year, but TFF absolutely loves this guy and with good reason. He's got a tremendous wingspan, very good at being able to withstand blocks. So he'll be your starting right guard. He takes over for Shaq Mason. And then you got the rookie, Cole Strange. A lot of people were very surprised, myself included, that the Patriots used first-round draft capital to bring in Strange when he had, at best, maybe a third-round grade on him. Patriots clearly saw something in him, and in minicamp, I started to see it a little bit. They're getting more athletic. They're really starting to, I think, run the ball a little bit more. Um, I think the Patriots are going to try to utilize maybe some of those Shanahanian concepts in being able to run the football effectively as a strong complement to their passing game. So the offensive line this year has got a a lot on their shoulders, but I think they're still able to carry the load, even with the
4: losses they've had. All right, so what's the biggest negative for this Patriots team as they head into training camp? Uh,
3: There are a couple, uh, and unfortunately they're on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that in a lot of ways uh, that may surprise a lot of people when you talk about Bill Belichick being a defensive-minded coach. But there are still two concerns that I have on this team. One is the interior of the defensive line coming through, being able to stop the run. Buffalo was able to run shot over the Patriots last year, and Buffalo is not exactly a marquee running team. I mean, they have Josh Allen for a reason, although Josh is a tremendous runner in his own right, uh, but they don't necessarily have the marquee backs that you would think would be able to come in and run the ball down the Patriots' throat. In the two games that Buffalo essentially wipe the floor with the Patriots, that's exactly what they did. So that still concerns me. Can the Patriots set the edge to facilitate stopping the run? Uh, That's something I'm watching closely in training camp. The other thing that I'm watching is the cornerback position. You lose Mm. someone like J.C. Jackson, you're not going to replicate that. Uh, They did bring back Malcolm Butler, a lot of nostalgia. Patriots fans love it. I think it's a good logistical move, too, especially if they're going to move to a more zone-heavy defense Malcolm is still a very good zone cornerback and I think he can be, but do they have the guy on the roster right now that can shut down another team's opposing, uh, you know, basically their, their top weapon. Uh, It's tough to say that they have a guy on the roster right now that can do that. Jalen Mills, maybe Jack Jones is a rookie. There's a lot of expectations around him, but again, he's a rookie. You can't expect him to reinvent the wheel either. So that's a big area of concern for me as well. Uh, those two right now are the growing negatives that I, I'm looking at during training camp, and hopefully the Patriots have an answer.
2: Going through training camp 2 days right now with Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Pats, right here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio 920. JC Jackson is someone that I always have so many questions about. Did Was there ever any clarity on why the Patriots let him go? Was it simply just a money thing?
3: Yeah, I think the Patriots placed a price on J.C., and I think they allowed him to go out, test the market, see what was available, knowing full well that players that are as prolific as he is at being able to find the football and take it away, uh, they knew that the market was going to be huge for J.C. Jackson, and I think they realized that they were about to get priced out. The Pats always place a premium on guys that can play multiple positions, do multiple things, JC is a player that I know was extremely well thought of in the locker room by the coaching staff, by his teammates, definitely. So they're going to miss him without any question. But there was a level that the Patriots weren't going to go. Some people may look at the Chargers deal and say, you know what, doesn't seem like it's all that high. I think the Patriots could have matched it. Truth be told, they probably could have matched it, but it would have put them at a disadvantage in other ways as well. So I think it just became a situation where J.C. got the deal he was looking for, and the Patriots just it, it exceeded what the Patriots were willing to pay at that point.
4: All right, Mike, if we were in a courtroom, what I'm about to do is call it leading the witness. <laughs> because My next question is, what's it, what is the biggest question for this Patriots team heading into training camp? But I already know that the answer's got to be, why haven't they named an offensive coordinator yet? That
3: is. And you know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what is going to happen if they do name a coordinator or name at least a play caller. Uh, I don't think they will name a coordinator this year. I just don't think Bill. Bill, We asked Bill Belichick that uh, very shortly after the draft, right before minicamp, right before OTA. And the answer was pretty much the same all three times. I'm not big on titles. And he's not. I mean, if you take a look at his history, uh, you know, there have been numerous times where the Patriots have gone into seasons without, you know, without coaches holding official titles. But I do believe a play caller will be named. Uh and right now it seems like they're leaning more toward Matt Patricia as opposed to Joe Judge. Mm. It surprises me a little bit. You usually don't see the offensive line guy get the play calling duties. It's usually the person that's working with the quarterbacks, but Matt's been around. He's seen a lot. He spent time coaching on both sides of the ball. His resume is a little bit more extensive than Joe Judge, So, and the fact that he was a defensive coordinator I think is something that could help to his advantage as well. So yeah, your guess is as mine as to how this is all going to play out is it going to work to max advantage or disadvantage there are a lot of people on both sides of the coin um i'm going to go into this uh, with an open mind and training camp and see how it starts to work i think you'll really find out what the patriots really are trying to do offensively when you start to see some of these joint practices with other teams and into the preseason then i think you'll start to get a clearer picture but for the first couple of weeks it's going to be a lot of trial
4: and error I'm not trying to doubt Matt Patricia's play-calling skills, but when Josh McDaniels left, was there no one that looked as the heir apparent or someone who got passed over for this job?
3: Uh, Well, you guys actually have a couple of them on staff right now in Las Vegas. Uh, (laughs) Lombardi, uh, Carmen Brasilla, were very highly thought of here in New England. Um, I, I do think that if Mick stuck around, I think he had a chance. Uh, to be that guy. Um, but the offer that he got in Las Vegas was very good. He got the official title of OC, and I think he's going to do a great job. Uh, Mick is a guy that I know personally. I've interviewed him several times, a wonderful guy, and I think Raiders fans are going to absolutely love what he can do. So I give him, uh, my unqualified endorsement, uh, for, for that position. So I think Mick had a chance to get that role here. Mick Cayley is the tight ends coach here in New England, and he's also very highly thought of. I don't think he's quite ready for that role yet, which is why a lot of the onus is being placed on Patricia and Judge this year. In another one, two years, don't, don't be surprised to hear that name bandied about as the new possible new offensive coordinator in New England. By that time, I think he'll be ready to take the ball. And Nick is a very smart coach. I think he'll be a good, uh, a good OC someday.
2: Mike, before we let you go, we started off the show talking about Richie Incognito. He had uh, he called it a day. He retired. How about Jason McCourty retiring after thirteen seasons? What did Jason McCourty mean to the Patriots organization?
3: Well, I'll tell you, Jason McCourty's play at the tail end of uh, uh, you know Super Bowl fifty three and being able to make that play, um, you know, to me, it's, it's something that will always endear him to uh, New England Patriots fans all over. Uh, the fact that he was able to work alongside his brother up here for a number of years really endeared him to uh, this area. Again, uh, Jason is someone that, that I've had the chance to, uh, to speak with one-on-one and just another a tremendous guy. Both he and Devin, his brother, uh, do tremendous amounts of charity work and awareness work uh, for uh, everyone in the NFL, for so many uh, people, and the great things that they do off the field will undoubtedly continue here. Uh, congratulations to Jason on a great career I wish him nothing but the best and uh, I hope his brother Devin doesn't follow suit right <laughs> off the bat we still want another couple of years of DMAC up here in New England he's still got some stuff left in the tank so uh, we're glad that Devin will be back uh, for uh, another, at least another year here in New England uh, but you got to give an awful lot of credit and tip our hat to Jason McCordy a great career
2: no doubt no doubt about it well Mike fantastic stuff that's why I go to you man you're my guy uh, what do you got coming out on Locked On Patriots that we should be on the lookout for maybe get a little bit more more insight on uh, the team that's going to be headed to Vegas for that Sunday night football game later in the season.
3: Absolutely. Well, one of the things I talked about today as a weakness in the Patriots lineup was the defensive line, a special weekend edition of locked on Patriots coming out tomorrow morning. Look for that to drop. We'll be talking about the defensive line. So any Raiders fans out there want a little enemy profile. That might be a good opportunity to get it Uh, next week. Obviously training camp previews, positional previews, talking to coaching staff, Uh, Just about anything and everything you can think of uh, uh, when it comes to the Patriots, we will be talking about, including a late-week episode where we will be mentioning those Las Vegas Raiders (laughs) and the trip that uh, the Patriots have, not only in the preseason, but also in the regular season as well. So we're looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And why are you overachieving, man? Working on the weekend and everything, man. Slow down, man. You know they're gonna they're gonna raise our requirements and stuff, man. Take
3: take it easy. No days off here in New England. Though. I'm already
2: knowing, man. I'm already knowing. We'll keep up the great work, man. You do an awesome job. I definitely appreciate you.
3: We'll be catching up soon. Thanks, Q. It is my honor. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on today. Have a great day, a great weekend.
2: All right, you too, brother. There he goes, Mike Debate, right there, host of Locked On Pats. M Debate NFL. That's at M Debate NFL. Does a great job, and yeah, definitely a catch
4: up. If you want to learn a little bit more about the Patriots, I mean, the one question I wish we would have asked: Who's their biggest weapon? Because their mm. offense, it's always like by committee, right? But just who's the one person on this offense that scares you? Because I don't think they have that guy. That's actually a really good question. I don't know. We just had him on for 20 minutes. I know, right? Didn't ask.
2: (laughs) We just had him on for 20 minutes. That's the best question we had. We didn't ask. Yeah, I know. Ain't that about something? (laughs) Next time. Call him back. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 120 is the time. Many thanks to Mike for joining us to break it on down, talk all things Patriots, as we continue with our training camp two-a-days. We close things out. Chris Carter coming up at 2 o'clock talking Steelers. Jose Sanchez at 3 talking 49ers. This is Red Nation Radio 920.
0: It's unnecessary roughness.
2: The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's
1: why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience
0: to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness, Roughness. here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Many thanks to Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots
2: who joined us, kicking things off at uh, 1 o'clock. Training camp two-a-days were uh, going on and still going on. At 2 o'clock, Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers, will join us to talk all things Steelers. And then at 3 o'clock, Jose Sanchez, all 49ers, SI, at 3, will join us to talk all things 49ers. And that will close out. Our training camp two-a-days, we've been going strong all week long. With that, it's been a lot of fun to just get an idea of what these teams look like and how they're shaping up heading into training camp while the roster is still 90 men. I had a different direction that I wanted to go in this segment. I was supposed to have Cover 3 coming up at 1.30. We went a little long with Mike, but uh, I wanted to address this text. And we got this text yesterday as well, and we kind of talked about it but then glossed over it because we were really busy. So since we have a little bit extra time, let's go ahead and dive into it. And I and I start this with all due respect, because I at no point do I ever want this to sound disrespectful. I really don't. I mean, that's something that really like bothers me. I don't ever want to come off and be like the guy who is an a-hole, right? I don't want to be that guy. I'm not that dude, right? I respect everyone's opinion. With that being said, this text comes from Gangster Raider. We talked about it briefly yesterday. And I don't know how – I feel like Derek Carr is like, wow, how am I catching strays? But – it's about Aaron Rodgers, and Gangster Raider doesn't understand why he is automatic Hall of Famer. I think it's like a no-brainer. I mean, I think I think when you think Aaron Rodgers, you realize there's certain quarterbacks in the league that you just know. Brady, Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer. I mean, hell, Big Ben, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. I mean, there's certain quarterbacks that are Hall of Famers, and it's just Aaron Rodgers is one of them, right? And so I know yesterday Gangster Raider called, and then he texted as well, and I didn't get the chance to read his text, so I don't want him to think. I don't want anyone to think that I ever want to like ignore your text because I don't. So he said, you play the game to win championships, not regular season MVPs. Aaron Rodgers is 12 and 10 in the playoffs, and he's only won two or more games in the playoffs than he lost. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is one in four in NFC championship games, and he's a loser in capital letters in the playoffs. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl victories, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And Plunkett has eight wins in the playoffs. So once again, why is Aaron Rodgers considered a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's actually a loser? I'll wait. That was the first text. Then he doubled up. Doug Williams was the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. With a record-breaking performance, and he's not in the hall. Jim Plunkett has two bowls and he's not in the hall. So once again, why is Aaron Rodgers considered an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer? Be honest. That's Gangster Raider. First of all, there's never a time on this radio station, any podcast, or any other radio station, I'm not honest. (laughs) That's the first thing. It's always going to be honest. Even if I'm wrong, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I'll never sugarcoat anything. I'll never BS you. I don't care what the subject is. I will always tell you the honest-to-God truth. So that's first. Second of all, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, he has a plethora of yards. He has a plethora of, of touchdown passes. I mean, DeMond, you, you're the stat guy. You start pulling up some of the stats that, that you look at. And, I, and look, it's hard to bring in a guy like Doug Williams, and it's hard to bring in a guy like Jim Plunkett because, one, they're different eras, so everything is a little bit different. I agree when it comes to Jim Plunkett. You know, I would love to see Jim Plunkett in the Hall of Fame. Just because he's not in doesn't mean that he's not a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like, that's the first thing. Hell, look how long it takes for Cliff Branch to get in. Cliff Branch was a Hall of Famer years ago while he was still alive. It only took till 2022 before he is actually being put into the Hall of Fame. Hell, Lester Hayes might get into the Hall of Fame next year. Just because you're not in does not mean you're not a Hall of Famer. It just means that you haven't been voted in yet. I don't know if Jim Plug is going to ever get in. I I didn't know if Tom Flores was ever going to get in. I've thought for years that Flores was a Hall of Famer. It's hard to just say because this guy's not in that that guy can't be a Hall of Famer, right? It just means that somewhere along the voting line, it hasn't happened. And we talked to John McClain, who's a Hall of Fame voter, all the time. He told me a long time ago that Tom Flores was going to be in. Well, before it was actually officially announced, I was on this station saying he's already in. It's already been done. He's going to be rubber-stamped. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. And he was. Same thing with Cliff. Okay, once he became a senior finalist, they knew, hey, he's in. Great. So we're good there. But just because guys aren't in doesn't mean that another guy's not. Aaron Rodgers has stupid numbers. I mean, just stupid numbers. He's got
4: over 55,000 career yards. Just yards passing. How many touchdowns did you tell me he has? Almost 500? 449. So let's just say if he gets 30 a year for the next three years, a little bit more, give or take, that's 500 touchdowns. That's that's all-time territory. I think only three. Like You're talking Peyton, Breeze, Brady territory. Right. Exactly. And I don't think anyone would question those guys going into the hall.
2: And I know. What you're saying about championships. Championships, unfortunately, aren't the barometer that you have to have a certain amount of championships to get in. If that was the case, Cliff would have got in a long
4: time ago. He's got three. He's got three. And then, but also, like you said, we mentioned it during the break. Dan how many? T- t- be in then. How many how many Super Bowls does Randy Moss have? Zero. Yeah. How many Super Bowls did T O win?
2: Zero. I mean, everyone that has a ring doesn't mean that they're always in. A ring doesn't automatically slide you into the Hall of Fame. Hell, Trent Dilfer has a damn ring. Would anybody put him in? Joe Flacco's got a ring. Would you put him in? There's a lot of cats that have rings that I would never even think, wouldn't even, they wouldn't even think about sniffing the, the Hall of Fame. So I think, and this is just me, I think championships could be a, a separator. You know what I mean? If the, if the, if the resume is pretty similar, maybe a, a, a ring will separate you, and that's okay. But I just think it's silly to think that Aaron Rodgers is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just think it's silly.
4: Yeah, and you say it's silly. I don't know if you've seen the Don LaGreca rant from ESPN New York. It was going around because someone said, hey, you wouldn't be anything without your host, Michael K," And he's the co-host. And he's, just, and he's getting so impassioned. How dare you? How dare you? We're not that type of show. But this is the type of argument where it's just like, that's how silly it is. Or I kind of want to yell into the mic and just say, what do you mean that Aaron Rodgers is not a Hall of Famer? What do you, like, it's... Yeah, not yeah. Like you said, we're we're not that type of show to just yell into the microphone. No, but it is just come on, guys. What are we talking about?
2: Right. I mean, there's just let's put it like this: Would every team in the league like to have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback? Outside of Tampa Bay, who has Tom Brady? Yes, (laughs) Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. Okay, but even in Buffalo, they might say, you know what? We'll take Josh Allen or take Aaron Rodgers for a few years over Josh Allen. I don't. I mean, look, he's he is that stinking good. He is a really good quarterback, no doubt about it. I'm interested to see how he does without Devontae Adams because the one thing I can say about Aaron Rodgers, he's not that great with rookie wide receivers. If you go back and look at the history of him with the rookie wide receivers, the numbers aren't that good. So I'm interested to see how he does with Sammy Watkins, who is just a player. He's, he's a jag, just another guy, right? And I'm interested to see what he does with rookie wide receivers because he's not that good. They don't, they don't gel that that quickly. Let's put it like that. But there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, it's it's really it's a it's a bad argument when it comes to Aaron Rodgers not being a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Everybody knows he is. There's a there's an elite level of quarterback, and he's in it. So again, everything is always respectful. It's not any disrespect, but I just I, there, there's I, to me there's no argument. But you say we got gangster on? Yeah, we got right gangsterator. Gangster, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, what's happening? What's happening? First of all, to answer your question today about um, who we can bring in the men um Leatherwood, I say bring in a, a former Raider who's a free agent right now, bring in KO, your Simile, to um, toughen them up and show them the ropes and do the same thing Richie Cognito did for um, Miller, Colton Miller. That'd you know what good. I'm saying? Yep. That's that's the answer to answer your question. Now, my thing, I, I'm not saying that he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm just, what, what makes him an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't think Randy Moss should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer because he's a loser. He's only two in the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? And you see what he did when he came to us. That automatically should have put him out of first ballot Hall of Famer. I think T.O. should have been the first ballot Hall of Famer before um, Brandy Moss, you know what I'm saying? And also with um, Cliff, Cliff is a three-time Super Bowl champion, and he's the original Randy Moss. So how he's not in it when the um, fake Cliff branches in, and he don't have no Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that he's not a Hall of Famer. So what all the makes him a walk in, first ballot Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? And um, the fact that Randy Moss is a first ballot Hall of, I mean, yeah, first round, first time ballot Hall of Famer. That 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 makes it irrelevant to me. You know what I'm saying? And Jim Plunkey should have been the first by the Hall of Famer. Um, Chris Brown should have been the first part of the Hall of Famer. Doug Williams should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know why. He, he got as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. The one y'all think is an automatic walkover. And uh, it seems like the only difference is he's white. You know, what I'm saying? So like if you're white, you get a walk-in, but if you're black, you got a wait, or if you're Latino, you won't never get in like Jim Pluckett. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, what really makes Aaron Rodgers, this first ballot Hall of Famer walk-in with only one Super Bowl, and he's 1-4 in championship games? And the only reason he won the championship that he did win was because of Charles Wilson. If it wasn't for Charles Wilson, he'd be 0-4 in championship games with no Super Bowls. And y'all still think his first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? baby? because he's white and he played in Green Bay. No, gangsta, because he's, he's top
4: five. <laughs> he's top five in every category. What do you mean? These, this is the part where it's like, no, real quick, though. He's top five in all of these things. It's not, oh, the, just because he's white, that's silly. Come on, stop yourself. You're playing yourself.
2: Yeah, that, that's not a factor. He's top five in all <laughs> these that's, careers. That's not a factor, especially amongst me and Deman. I mean, I don't even
4: like Aaron Rodgers. I kind of think like this past year, that's the thing either. He really showed himself to be an idiot with all the COVID stuff, but just that and the other. Thinking that he's smarter than everyone. I just
2: don't like that everything automatically has to be race related. Like everything has to be. It's not, that's not the reason why he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he's got over 55,000 yards. He's got almost 500 career touchdowns.
4: He's got a ton of wins. He's got multiple MVPs. Has nothing to do with him being white. I'm on the Pro Football Reference page right now, and they have the Hall of Fame monitor. It's a number that they compile, however they compile the number, but they're just taking a look at careers and at different positions, and you can see, like, where they have an average number. This is the average number for a Hall of Famer in their in their book, and the number is 104. That's the average number they compile for. If you get to this number in your career, you're a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is third behind Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Right. Right. Like, there's no question, and it's silly no. that we're having this discussion. and again,
2: I get it, and when you want to bring up the postseason failures, absolutely, hold that against them. That's fine, because they're there. That's something you can't deny. There's a lot of guys that never even made the postseason, <laughs> right? I mean, look, Dan Marino made it to the Super Bowl once. Once. And he never made it back, and he didn't win. And I don't think anyone's questioning him being in the hall. I get it. You know, it's it's especially when you're passionate about your guy that you want in. I think we'd all love to see Jim Plunkett in. I've told him that to his face. How we interviewed him every week last, last year. That was one of the first things I said I would love to see him in the Hall of Fame. But for this, argu- not even an argument, for this discussion that we're having here between Zaman, you, and me, race has nothing to do with it. Nothing. I don't look at him and say, you know what, that's a damn good white guy. I don't. And I don't say, well, that black guy's got to work harder. I, I, you'll never get me to say that.
4: That's just silly to think that. Top five in touchdowns, top ten in passing yards, and he's still playing. That's what I'm saying.
2: I don't care what he looks like. And maybe that's me. Maybe that's my ignorance. Maybe I'm being ignorant because I don't. I don't care what a guy looks like. I don't care what anyone looks like. I don't judge you by what you look like. I judge you by who you are, what you are. That's how I judge people. Maybe that's bad of me. Maybe I'm the bad guy. Maybe I'm the, you know, maybe I'm the idiot. That has nothing to do with it. The numbers speak for themselves. Playoffs, has he struggled? Sure. Should he have more than one ring? Sure. Well, he doesn't. Hell, how great was Peyton
4: Manning? How many rings does he have? He's got two. And the second one was that because of him? Woof. And then that's the other thing, too, where Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. Everybody always says that, so you have to make him the GOAT. But when people talk about, like, oh, just the play of quarterback, Tom Brady's not really mentioned like that. Because it's like, hey, because it's always the argument. If you were to put Peyton on those on those New England teams, oh, they win every year or whatever. You know, because Peyton Manning's just that different of a quarterback. Who kept you up at night? People, right. Players from, the, from that era, they say Peyton, not Tom. Well, hell, that's what Bart Scott said. Mm-hmm. Bart Scott said it on ESPN, on Barton and Hahn. And he said,
2: Hey, I, you know, when I played, when he played, he was more concerned with Peyton than he was Tom. That was from the player's point of view. Not 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 mine. That's not Q saying that. That's not DeMond saying that. That was a player who played against the guy. Jason in uh, Maryland said that Cliff branch Hall of Fame thing bothers me too. Lynn Swan and Roger Stallworth, they don't have the numbers that Cliff got as a popularity contest. That that and you could be right. I think that there's plenty of arguments. Hell, John McClain, who votes, has came
4: on here and said he he voted for Cliff many times. He wanted Cliff in. Just didn't happen. The numbers game. Especially with receiver, because the numbers are getting so inflated. A player that I'm like, when's he going to get right. Torrey Holt? Right. And he is not in. He's got a ring on the Hall of Fame team for the
2: 2000s. We can dissect why a guy's not in, when's a guy going to get in, if a guy should be in. We could dissect it all day long, and everyone could come up with an argument on why a guy should be in or why he shouldn't be in. We could all do that. We could all do that. That is a a, a bunch of writers, a bunch of beat you know reporters, bunch of guys that have covered and, and ladies that have covered the league for a very long time that are voting and hearing arguments. Also, it's about the person that's presenting like Mark Davis was going to present for cliff multiple times, you know, like, Hey, I'm trying to get my buddy in finally got him in. It sucks that he's not here to be able to, uh, to appreciate it. It sucks. It does. Mark Davis. Hell, he got emotional the other day, just talking about him at Allegiant stadium, but he's just happy that he finally got in. And the one thing is once he's enshrined, he's enshrined forever. You can't, there's no kicking him out the club. Just silly at at times. It's just silly. Some of the some of the arguments that we have to have and and we can talk about numbers, we can talk about rings, we could talk about postseason, we could talk about playoffs, we whatever. We can talk about all that stuff. But some arguments just don't need to be had. One forty is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio, nine twenty.
1: I walk into Art Rooney's office. I say Art, I'm I've been talking to Brian Flores, man, kinda on a lot of things, you know, just staying close to him, et cetera, et cetera. But now this thing is push to work coaching man this dude want to coach football and i want to hire him and he was like great that's the extent of the conversation <laughs> right man, yeah. i told Flo give me 24 hours but i think i called him back like 45 minutes later right.
0: Right? Welcome, back welcome back to unnecessary roughness Refl- Refl- here on raider nation radio 920 here's your boy Q.
2: You heard right there, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin talking about Brian Flores, the hiring of him. That's pretty fitting because it's coming at 2 o'clock. Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers, will join us training camp two-a-days. We'll talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Closing out this conversation we had in the last segment, talking about Hall of Fame, talking about Aaron Rodgers. Got a couple text messages. Of course, a couple calls I want to get in as we close this thing out. Uh, Jason in Maryland has chimed in a couple times. Uh, He said... Man, just look up Lynn Swann's numbers. Look at Roger Stallworth's numbers. It's not even close. It's a shame they waited until Cliff died to put him in. Swann and Stallworth both been in at least 10 years or longer. Um, I mean, I don't have an argument for that. I'm not I mean, I don't think we're are we de- we're not debating if they should be in or not. I don't think I mean, Cliff Branch should have been in a long time ago. I think we all understand that. There's not an argument there. There really isn't. I don't I don't I don't disagree. Got another text. I bet ninety nine percent of Bears and Vikings fans would agree that Rogers is first ballot. That's crazy. I hate the Broncos, but back then I knew Elway was one of the best ever. Also got a text. I'm not a fan of arrogant Rogers, but you, could deny the fa- you can't deny the fact he's a great quarterback. As far as off the field, he's a certified butt. That's from Raider Richie in Arizona, and I don't disagree with that either. I don't. That's the thing. I don't even like the guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the guy, but I'm not going to sit here and act like he's not great. He's great. And I bet you, just me, and this is no disrespect to Derek Carr, but I bet you if he was lining up with a silver and black jersey on, I think everyone else would like
4: him, too. Just a hunch. Just throwing it out there. Hey, remember last offseason, you know, when Russell Wilson put up the hypothetical list there? We had so many calls. Let's mm-hmm. get Russell Wilson. And now it's just, man, the Broncos aren't even all that good. Right. <laughs> it's funny how that works.
2: Mode said, facts over feelings. Saying Rodgers isn't an all-time Hall of Fame quarterback is the same argument that even Raider fans made in the past that Derek Carr is mediocre at best and isn't a top-eight quarterback. So, there you go. That's from Mode right there. But let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line, as I say, as we put a bow on this conversation. 702-365-9200. Raider Rod, is that who we got? Raider Rod, welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
5: Man, this whole Aaron Rodgers thing is on my mind. I'm going to do my best to at least try to – these delusionals what what is what is real <clears throat> and what's real is i love that DeMond put up those stats you know said all this positive stats but i got two two that should say a lot losing seasons by aaron rodgers one and interceptions can we look at this guy's career interception man i'd be i'd be surprised if he's barely scratching 100 at this point the dude doesn't turn the ball over and this is a war game, a war of occupation, occupation of territory. And the most crucial thing is the ball. And who has the ball? Well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't give up the ball. He actually takes care of it better than anyone in history, and that is facts. Those are facts, my dog. Not, not emotion, but facts. Fact is, I don't even like the guy, just like <laughs> you guys say. Right. I don't like him at all. But for, for people... Californians no less like he was in your backyard yo, Bay Area folks he went to Berkeley Mm -hmm. and you all still don't know how do you not know how do you not know what Aaron Rodgers is man like I I, you know I called a couple days ago and said we have a tendency to be delusional man they're showing us how delusional we can really be all right man I'm out
2: hey thanks for the call man appreciate you and I I don't
4: even have to co-sign Yo, that's the mic drop right there for me because I just looked it up. Only 93 career interceptions. You know how sometimes you can just count like a list that's right. not numbered? You go, one, two, three, four. The list, there are probably 100 quarterbacks in front of him on career interceptions. Because I tried to do, All right, let's see where he's ranked on career interceptions. I can't even count the list. Right. And you brought
2: up a good point in the commercial break about Doug Williams. He's got a losing record. A career losing record. You know, wins, wins do matter. You know what you can't do? You can't win a Super Bowl if you're not in the playoffs. Exactly. That's, that's the other thing. And again, that's not me hating on the black guy. That's me saying he has a losing record. Just like even if Derek Carr wins a Super Bowl, say he wins this year, and again, not trying to throw st- strays at Derek Carr, he's got a losing record. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. It's simple. It? Wins matter. Wins matter. You know, and I know everyone's not going to have, you know, super like 10,
4: 15, 20 games or 500. I get it, but you got to be close. Exactly and then when it comes to like the old oh, the Hall of Fame only one Super Bowl Mike Tomlin only has one Super Bowl but he's a Hall of Famer to me and like you said no losing seasons where it matters. Just being competitive, being someone that's making the playoffs every year. It's just wins matter.
2: It do Win, wins. Wins play a, a factor as well in the grand scheme of everything. Uh, let's go out, and that's why. Side note: That's why I don't think Matt Stafford is a is a Hall of Famer. I know people said that during during uh, Super Bowl week when we were at Radio Row in L. A. Oh, if he wins the Super Bowl, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think so. Look at his win-loss record. It's not very good. And I know a lot of those years were spent in Detroit. One good year in, in uh, L.A. doesn't make you a Hall of Famer all of a sudden, does it? If it does, hell, I'm going to go hang out in L.A. for a year. Be it'll a Hall do, of Fame
4: something. It'll do wonders for your career.
2: No, you know what it did? <laughs> stole my box. It stole my computer. <laughs> it, it taught me that uh, that I can't leave my uh, my, my backpack in a, in a secure room because that room ain't that secure. Mitch in New Jersey, you're up next. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. going, Q. It's going,
6: boy. Shouldn't be working. Too, uh, I shouldn't be working uh, too long on Fridays, but it just happened. I uh, shouldn't either. Apparently, <laughs> I know you and you're in the same boat, man. Um, if you have to think about it, then he's not in the Hall of Fame. How come somebody could be in the Hall of Fame? Not the first, second year, but you got to wait ten years. I mean, Plunkett should be in. it. I agree there. Aaron Rodgers should. he would be in the Hall of Fame. He retired three years ago. Just take the money and run. It's uh. Come on, Gangster Raiders. Do I have to come out there and sell uh, things there? <laughs> um, oh, I agree. Uh, what was it on oh, my mind? I'm just racing. It's really Glad I, I spoke to you. Um, yeah, Dan Marino. You didn't have any uh, Super Bowls. Nope. Ernie Banks. He's in the Hall All-Fame. Uh, he is probably a kind. I guess if you play for the Raiders, they they, they, can't, they hold it against you or something. Thanks for taking my call, Have a good weekend. Thanks,
2: man. You too. Be safe out there. Enjoy that grandbaby. Yeah, I mean, again, there's so much criteria that goes in it. And that's why that's why I really like to have John on every week because I feel like he kind of educates everyone and takes everyone behind the scenes of what's going on in those rooms when you're being presented with Hall of Fame guys. And John tells me all the time who he votes for. And, oh, I vote for this guy, I vote for that. And it obviously it's off the record because it's not supposed to be discussed. I think one thing that's going to help people get into the Hall of Fame, and I've heard JT mention it before, is also some new blood voting for these guys, you know? And that's no disrespect to John. That's no disrespect to Shereen Williams, you know, or anyone else who's a Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame voter. But at some point, like a Paul Gutierrez, I think he should be a Hall of Fame voter. And, I, and I, I've heard JT say that. I, I'm taking that from JT the Brick. So. It's not like, hey, that's a cue. All of a sudden I came up with some brilliant. No, I think Paul should be a Hall of Fame voter. He's been covering the silver and black. He's been covering sports for so long. He's young enough to understand how the game has evolved. You know, I mean, there's, I think that the the room should, the climate should change. I think that it should be a nice little rotation, a healthy rotation, because guys that get stuck in their certain ways, they might, you know, whatever. You know why T.O. didn't get in? Because people had an ax to grind with T.O. T.O. was not a bad dude. I have this argument at the barbershop all the time. Uh, Will is not a <laughs> T.O. guy. But I'm like, T.O. didn't do anything wrong. Is oh, he a Cowboys fan or something? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, he destroyed he destroyed the locker room. I said, like, not really. He just called it how it was. You know? But T.O. was always available. T.O. always went out there and gave you everything he got. And he was someone who, he didn't like to talk to the media. So the media who's voting on Hall of Fame voting kind of closed their eyes to him. Uh, T.O. was arrogant. T.O. was this. T.O. was that. Okay. No doubt he should have got in. And going back to Cliff, no doubt Cliff should have got in. And it's crazy because now the numbers, like you mentioned, are so large for guys like a Randy Moss or someone else. Or they're just going to be overpowering someone else because they didn't throw the ball around the yard like they throw the ball around the yard now, right? I mean, running game, the running game mattered. I mean, there was so many elements to the game. It wasn't, oh, by the way, DBs could touch you back then. That was the beauty of Cliff Branch. You can get beat up by a DB, and he still went past them. It's not like now where you can't even sneeze on a, on a wide receiver or else they're going to get, uh, you know, it's going to be a flag. So the the numbers are so inflated and, and it's it's so hard to compare eras that a lot of these guys get caught up in the shuffle. And it sucks. It sucks that to all high heaven, whatever I'm trying to say, it sucks that Cliff isn't in while he was still alive to appreciate it. I'm just glad he's getting in, period, and his family's going to be there to appreciate it. At least he's finally going to be put in, the Hall of Fame where you can never, ever, no one could ever take that away from you. Let's take one more call. 702-365-9200. Who we got? Houston in L.A. Houston in L.A. Welcome to the show.
7: Hey, what up, Q? How you guys doing, man? We're, we're maintaining. All right, cool. <laughs> I know. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Hey, but um, make a long story short, my man, Um, just like when I'm battling these KC cats, man, you know, that Facebook stuff, blah, 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 I represent to the fullest the Nation and all that there, but... I tell them, like, man, if y'all got Devonte Adams, y'all know your whole narrative would be different. They talk about how old he is, this and that, or whatever. Man, Aaron Rodgers is a hog, homie. It's just that
0: simple, man. He's
7: a killer. Everything, every time I seen that that cat do something, man, it it, it, it just it trips it trips me out, man. It, it, and uh, that's one of the dudes where, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, Patrick, him too. I ain't gonna lie, but I can't stand him, bro. You know, but Aaron, no. yeah, he he's nice. He's nice, and and I wish we would have got a chance to scoop that dude. But I think at the time either we didn't need him or we had a more you know desperate need, and that's crazy to say we didn't need him. Right, right. But but uh yeah, man, that boy's a killer, man. That's all I gotta say. (laughs) I'm just I'm just I'm just waiting for training camp. You know what I mean? And just to relax and. Raider it out, man. You know, everything, of course, is Raiders, but just because it is Raiders don't mean that we shouldn't have an appreciation for everything on the outside, man, when it comes to the NFL, period. And, and same thing you said for Stafford. That's a great argument, man. You've been losing all your life, and all of a sudden you get to a nice little sunny southern California spot, blow up, get a ring. I don't change nothing, man. You can lose it.
6: Right.
7: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yep. yeah. But um, anyway. Great show, brothers, you know, and uh, and Aaron Rodgers, like I said, man, he's a killer. I'm glad glad we got caught on, you know. He can help maintain things, hopefully, you know.
2: Right. Gotcha. Uh, All right, y'all. Hey, good call. Good call. There he goes. Houston and LA. Appreciate it, my man. And yeah, I I agree with you 100%. Before we uh, wrap it up and put a ball on this conversation and kick off into hour number three of the show, uh, Jason and Maryland, one more uh, response. Aaron Rodgers is a great regular season quarterback. Dude can't beat Garoppolo in the playoffs. Can y'all speak on the fact that Aaron Rodgers does not win in the playoffs? Like that that matters too, don't it? Playoff wins matter the most, don't they? Taking Hall of Fame worthiness out the conversation, and Jason, yes, I've I've addressed it that he's failed in the playoffs multiple times. Yes, we have we agree with you on that. But the numbers that he's throwing up has not is 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 Hall of Fame worthy. It's that simple. It is really that simple. There's nothing else I can say that's going to convince you that I'm right, and there's nothing that 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 any kind of number I could throw at you that you're going to say okay, I understand what I'm trying to tell you. Yes, playoffs matter. Yes, they do. Everyone doesn't get to the playoffs. You got to get to the playoffs, right? He gets there. He has great numbers, puts up great stats. Regular season, yes, I've said that from the jump. I said, hell, I said that yesterday. It's a shame he only has one ring, but that doesn't take away from the greatness of the quarterback. That's all I got to say on it. That's it. Done. I don't disagree with the playoff struggles, but I do disagree that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's it. Chris Carter, Locked On Steelers. He's coming up next to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Rare Nation Radio 920.